0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Town, South Florida, the Miami Herald's high school sports show. We have finished up the football regular season, and we're ready to talk some playoffs. I'm Andre Fernandez, Miami Herald's deputy sports editor, joined this week by Jordan McPherson, one of our sports writers at the Herald. David Wilson is uh, traveling back from Chicago from covering the Dolphins game this weekend, so we'll have him on back on the show next week to talk a little bit more. But, uh, you know, Jordan, we got a lot to cover in this episode as usual the regular season wrapped up last week. The last few spots were settled. Some teams got in. The bubble burst on a few others. But we'll look at you know some of those games. We'll look at the sudden revival of Western's offense. That was seems like it was MIA for the last eight or nine weeks. Apparently, they found it and, and unleashed it against Plantation. Chaminade, who hadn't really played anybody in the last few weeks, finally got a, a real opponent in Treasure Coast and still made them look silly, still had a, a big blowout win. The Archbishop Carroll revival continues down there. They picked up some more hardware last week, winning their conference. We'll take a look at the Bulldogs. We'll, we'll take a look at the Soul Bowl, which unfortunately was cut short. We'll explain the situation of what happened there between Ely and Dillard as, as their prime potentially for a rematch in a couple of weeks. But the main event, like we mentioned, it's, fo- it's playoff time in football season. We've got the brackets. I don't have them in hand. We have them all on our computer screens and whatnot. But they were revealed on Sunday. Uh, where all the South Florida teams are going to be in classes 4M through 1M, and we're going to go over all of that. But, Jordan, you're excited, man. This is the best time of year for high school football. Now, now is when it really begins.
1: Oh, it's definitely the best. I mean, these next four or five weeks are going to be four five, six weeks are going to be a, be a lot of fun. Obviously, that class 2M where so much talent is just packed together into two regions is going to be really good to see how that unfolds. And then to see a few of the other things, obviously, Shaman Island 1M, like you said, seeing what how they're going to make their run. 3M is going to be a little interesting. Again, they've got the two regions there between with you've got Aquinas, you've got Homestead, you've got Dillard and Ely, you've got a lot of good competition there. And then to see what happens in 4M, where you have that cluster of Columbus, Palmetto, Western, uh, you've got a couple of the other teams in there, just Doral to see how all of this is going to unfold, especially these first couple weeks to see how things shake up as they set up towards the the regional finals and state semis. It's going to be very action packed next, next few weeks down here.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I I'm, I'm looking forward to just that 2M region, of course. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, all year we've been talking about just the, 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 the cluster, you know what, that it was, that was created down there with everybody. And I think that's going to be some of the best matchups this week. It's, you're getting a few of the games we've seen already, you know, it, it, it's all right, but next week it really is going to ramp up and you're going to have some, you know, some, even, even if, even just rematch games, which I think, you know, you could have either different results or maybe just the games might just be better because, you know, a lot of teams, you know, how it is, they hold back a little bit until playoff time. Now they, they empty, they, they, they empty their pockets if, in terms of like the plays and what they call and, and And it just, it just means a lot more right now, obviously. So, so it should be exciting. Let's uh let's before we jump into all that, let's let's take a look at what happened last week. Let's start off in Davy, where that Western High offense uh, finally showed up. I don't know where they found it, I don't know where it was hiding, but boy did it ever. A 49-22 route of plantation. The Colonels hung in there for a little bit, traded some scores, but really the Western just like I said, they looked like they finally what they're capable of on paper what we thought what, what we saw in that first half of the very first game way back in uh in late August. And what it means now for them is it helped them get all the way up to the two seed in region four, 4M. They're going to face rival Cypress Bay. But I think that the key element, as we agree, is later on, now they can avoid having that matchup potentially unless Palmetto throws a wrench into things or maybe Doral. But in theory, it could be them and Columbus in the regional final to see who goes to the state semifinal. So I'm sure that's something that Western really wanted. And your guy, Colin Hurst, uh, you're, you're, you you're interviewed him a bunch of times. Th- say your guy because you've written about him a lot in the last few years. Near perfect this week 15 of 16, 243 yards, two touchdowns. Here's one to Nelson Walker that put them up 35 14 before halftime.
2: Oh! Get a heel, let me heel! Oh! You back- I made it!
0: You can hear that that announcer at Western is something else, isn't he? I mean, like, oh, yeah, if it's not the speakers are blaring in your ears, but he's got the play by play going. Uh, But, yeah, after that, pretty much it was the running game that took care of business. Chance Washington, we know, has been a, a pretty good one for them this year. Here's his touchdown run that helped put things away. And then after that, I mean, the defense took care of it. I think pretty much, you know, now we have a brand new Western team. I mean, I don't know. I still don't I don't know if they're good enough. I've seen Columbus too many times. I don't know if they're if they can actually pull that off if it gets to that point. But this at least now puts them in the conversation again.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. They needed a game like this against a good team like Plantation. I mean, Colin Hersey's had a good season overall, but when you look at how he's fared against teams that are in the playoffs, look at what he did against St. Thomas Aquinas, 17 of 34, two interceptions. American Heritage, 15 of 29, 183, two touchdowns, one interception. The Miramar game where they got shut out, 19 of 35, 207, nothing, and no touchdowns, no interceptions. To be able to have a game where the offense – was in control against a team that has a chance to make some moves in the playoffs. It's reassuring for it, for Colin Hurst. It's reassuring for coach Imarakovich it's reassuring for Western overall, because in order for them to compete against Palmetto Doral Columbus, to be have a chance against any of them, they're going to need that offense going and they're going to need Colin Hurst to be able to make plays like that one that we saw, the throw, the Nelson Walker, the way he was able to thread it between two defenders in the three games I covered, outside of maybe that first half against St. John's Creek in week one, I hadn't been able to see him make any play like that this season the few games I've covered. To see him be able to do that and get that sort of confidence going to the playoffs, that's a good start. And also, just with their first-round game against Cypress Bay, in their regular season matchup that they won, 36-20, Colin completed 23 of 30 passes for 304 yards in that game. So it gives them another game where – you could possibly get that confidence built up even more before getting into the brunt of the playoff games
0: yeah absolutely i mean anytime you have that experience from before and build on it and i think they have and i think i wonder how much of it too was maybe them i can't think they would be holding back to the point where they were struggling that much on offense it's it can't be just explained that but i think maybe to a tiny degree at least maybe I wonder how much maybe they're the, some new wrinkles that they might be throwing into their playbook that they're unleashing now that are kind of maybe helping. But I think mainly, like you said, the click—it all clicked for them this past weekend. Can they sustain it now? And it did it against a good team too, because we had seen fifty, sixty points against Taravella or, or or Coral Glades or teams like that, teams that aren't in the mix. But to do it against a team with a pulse really, really showed something.
1: Yeah, no, I would um, also say that personnel in general probably switched things up and gave Hurst a bit of a challenge this year. Both of his outside receivers from last year were seniors. They both graduated. They moved more towards guys who were in the slots as their primary guys. And Nelson Walker, who caught that touchdown, he was their starting running back last year. So for him to move from running back to ex receiver, that took a bit of an adjustment period as well. So if the receivers and the guys who he's working with are getting more comfortable as the season progresses, that's probably been a benefit too down the stretch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's let's switch over to two other teams in Broward. And that's uh, D- uh, Dillard and Ely, who uh, were set to play and did play at least part of their Soul Bowl game this weekend. And it was a good one until the third quarter. Ely was up 9-7. to But then, unfortunately, the game was called due to safety concerns. There was a bit of an issue there that we'll explain in a minute. Uh, take a look. Before we do, Ely, uh, strictly from the football standpoint, looking at it that way, Ely showed they can hang with Dillard. Here's an interception uh, in the, uh, right before halftime that kept the Tigers in front. <laughs> Unfortunately, right after that, shortly after that, 749 left in the third quarter. There was a bit of an issue and a, a bit of a scare. Luckily, though, according to reports, nothing happened in terms of injuries. No one was hurt. Um, the teams were the teams and the fans were told to clear the stadium. The school officials from both schools ended up talking to each other and deciding, let's just you know, call this a no contest. And for safety reasons, let's get everybody out of the stadium. So, unfortunate because it was a good game. I don't know what would have happened, obviously, in the last quarter and a half. But, you know, the turnaround at Ely continues. And these two prime to, to play each other again if they take care of business this coming weekend to, to make a pretty good rematch in, in round two.
1: Yeah, no, that regional semi, assuming both of them take care of what they need to do this weekend. It's going to be fun. I mean, I had the chance. I talked with Ely coach uh, Michael Bailey Last week before the Soul Bowl, just to talk about the turnarounds. Remember, Ely went one and nine last year and they were basically blown out just about every game they played. They were outscored three twenty two to sixty three in their ten games last year. This year, heading into the Soul Bowl, they outscore everyone two sixty four to seventy. They've been scored they've scored more than twenty points in just about every game they played. Uh they beat Deerfield Beach for the first time in, I believe, over a decade. Uh they've and they've found a way to get everything to come together and the interesting thing is michael bailey may not have wasn't guaranteed to be the coach this year after they went one and nine he was told a couple weeks after the season ended he had to reapply for the job and he said that lit a fire under him that helped him sort of figure out what needed to be done to make sure everybody was bought in and everyone was committed and between that and the fact that he basically returned the bulk of his team from last year and they had two years of continuity it's sort of, it's helped them flip the switch and we'll see what happens when they get to the regional if they get to the regional semis and they get round two with Dillard and get to actually see how that game will unfold from start to finish
0: yeah I'm excited for it that. that again that's just to tell people kind of like an example of what I was talking about earlier about how round two is going to be insane that's one of the matchups right there that I think is going to be really good hopefully this time, nothing happens. Everybody's safe, and everybody can get through and get and get this game in. And because everyone, I'm sure, would love to see it, and, and love to see a good one, the way it was playing out this past Saturday. Uh, now, let's go to a, a regular on this show, and that is the Chaminade Madonna Lions. We've taken a little bit of a break. We we're talking to, talking them up every week for like the first five episodes of the show, and then their schedule pretty much went completely soft. Not to no fault of their own. It's just their district. They're just so much better than everybody else in it. Um, so it was blowout after blowout. But this game against Treasure Coast, a little more competitive at the beginning, but it was kind of a chance for Shaman to, again, flex its muscle and kind of show everybody just how far ahead they are of pretty much everyone, in, not only in the state, maybe in the country. Uh, Cedric Bailey, what can you say about that kid? I mean, I know he has a, commands a a great arsenal of weapons on that offense, but let's give credit to the kid himself because if he if he was relied upon to really throw a lot in a lot of these games – I think he'd rise to the occasion and you'd see him really step up because of the kids of talent, you know, six touchdown passes in this game. The lions have now won 20 in a row. Some pretty long winning streaks at the top here between they've won 20 in a row. Aquinas has won, I believe 21 in a row. I think central 22, maybe I'm getting that backwards, but 20 plus game winning streaks going into the playoffs for, for a lot of these teams. So um, when you look at it, let's, let's take a look at one of those touchdown tosses that Bailey had to a guy named Jojo trader, who we saw in the, for Central last year at State, making some great plays, transferred over there. This is why this kid, I guarantee you, we, we talked about fantasy football last week. If we're still playing fantasy football in a few years, this kid may be in one of our lineups. Take a look why. I mean, he got... Yeah, he got both feet. I mean, it was a little far away on that shot, but but he got both feet in. I mean, that's NFL quality uh in the making right there with this kid. And he can do it on defense too. But like we said before, Bailey wasn't done. 6 TDs for the game. Here's another beauty he threw to uh Jeremiah Smith. Take a look. <laughs> It kind of shows you, right? I mean, he can throw the fade route well there in the corner to one and then, you know, make some nice reads over the middle. I mean, he's just, you know, that offense is just plugged in and, and I can't see the march to Tallahassee getting in. I mean, they're, they're going to have one tough one that coming up in there, but this this team just looks like it's ready to win another title.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I mean, we mentioned Treasure Coast, they're a playoff team, but also just to put it into context, they're they're three and six this year. All of their wins came in their district Then they're – one loss in district play was the Bureau Beach, the one, probably one really good team in their region over in 4S in that suburban, suburban category over there. But still, it was a really quality win, a good, good, good way to set them up for the playoffs. And when you mention all the guys you mentioned, Cedric Bailey with his 2,400 passing yards and 32 touchdowns, uh, uh, Smith and Trader with almost 1,300 yards and 18 touchdowns combined against them or for them. Davion got their running back, 700 yards and 12 touchdowns. All four of them are juniors, Jandre. So we're seeing all of this, and they're probably all going to be back for one more year. So while we see this March that Chaminade likely is going to make the state and going to come with very little problem, I mean, we'll see what happens. Cardinal Newman's probably the only trouble they'll have in the region. But yes. outside, of, outside of that, it's that game, and then maybe running into trouble at the state championship game, but seeing this team, probably not even then. We'll probably be who yeah. comes after that game and seeing what happens if everything goes right, what happens with whatever matchup they get for a potential national one of the Geico national bowls or whatever the, mm-hmm. the circumstance is going to be for that. That's probably going to be where we really find out just just how good the Shaman Madonna team is.
0: This is a uh, voting week. This is election week. Can we vote please and like or petition or lobby our people in charge? to have this Chaminade Central game next year yeah, because they are both going to be stacked. They're both still going to be in that national title picture next year. It's a shame that it's not happening this season because, like you said, they're, they're going to be in that Geico Bowl series, but they don't tend to put two teams from the same city together. I wish they did because this would be a perfect opportunity, and, and it's gonna it would be a much better matchup than – a lot of just, scenarios I'm sure they can almost think anything of.
1: Anything that they're going to
0: throw out there. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, unless we can somehow, this this message somehow through the force gets to the people in charge uh, with, with the Geico Bowl series this year, that'd be awesome. But, I mean, if you did it, I think too, that if you did it in early in the season, it's even better because you know how it is. At the end of the year, you know, guys are probably already, I'm not, not, not checked out, but, you know, there's injuries, things like that. There's a lot of circumstances. If you do this right at the beginning, and I know for a fact, Shamanot is already, more than likely going to be involved in that Broward showcase next season. There's, there's buzz that central may be jumping into it. Maybe they're going to bring down all sorts of heavyweights even more than they did this season, but let's get that matchup. Even if it's like in week five, whenever, let's get that game done because that that, you would pack where whatever stadium you put, you put it at. I mean, it'd be, it'd be tremendous, but let um, going back to that on class one M. One of the teams that may end up being in Shamanod's way, and I know they probably they don't want to think about that just yet. They want to actually get to that point and continue the turnaround season. That's the Archbishop Carroll Bulldogs clinched their best record in school history at 9-1 and this year after a comeback win that uh, surprised me. It was a little more difficult than I thought it would be against Ransom Everglades last week at Tropical Park. They were able to capture the, the Florida Independent Football Conference Championship, which they're a part of, even though they're part of the state series. Uh, it turned out to be a great game, 20-14. to 14. Uh, Let's take a look. As Ransom, you know, they, they're programmed. They're independent. But they, they made some strides this year. Jackson Pegg, their quarterback, was a big reason for that. He ran for two touchdowns in this game. Take a look. Here's one.
2: <laughs>
0: Quick mention on Pegg there. Um, you know, first year playing quarterback ever. I mean, not even an optimist, nothing. Like, they've learned the position in the past year or so. So he's done a pretty good job. They had a winning season this year. They won one of the divisions in that conference. But Carroll, that old-school, rugby-looking, single-wing offense, three TDs, over 200 yards on the ground once again. Alejandro Isaza, who's uh, been a regular mention for us lately, he had the touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown, and here it is. And apologies there. He disappeared out of view, which is pretty much what all these running backs do when they run that play. They just like disappear into the pile. Even the defenders don't know where they are. They don't know who's running the ball. And that's why Carroll's good. That's why Carroll uh, has been able to get to the point that they have, but their defense needed to step up in this game. Kenneth Pemberton, one of our player of the week nominees had two interceptions. He didn't make the play on this play, but one of his teammates did. Here's what ransom had gotten down in the red zone with one second remaining, had a chance to win it. And here's Carroll's defense making the stop. (laughs) and congratulations to the bulldogs. I mean this is a team Jordan that I I think the program didn't really shut down but it was to the point where it was like non-existent basically. And George Zagalis, the coach who came back after all these years and and had led them to the state semifinals back in 07, a regional final back in 08. Only Gulliver was stopping them back then. He's got them going again. I mean it's still a small team, 25, 30 kids more or less, you know, that roll with this with this old school offense, but it's a building block that i think they're going to have maybe in the next couple of years they open the, they open next week we're going to talk more about the class one m picture next week because they have, all those teams have a bye this week chaminade included they open against palmer trinity in the first round the opposite side of the bracket is true north academy and westminster christian so that quadrant right there the carol's definitely the favorite let's see what coach zagalas had to say about his team coach um you know it's championship you know you you you've started a process of rebuilding this program what does this mean to you to to have something already like to give the kids to show the kids you know it can be done well
2: we won the district here a few weeks ago now we won this championship this means a lot to us we also clinched the best record in school history today Mm. uh, with the 9-1 record i'm so proud of the boys they work so hard uh they're great men what they do on the field is only the, the only reason it happens is of who they are yeah. and the way they conduct themselves and the way they work. This is just a byproduct of everything that they do. The long the long hours in the weight room, the hard work in the classroom, the way they conduct themselves, uh, and this is the result. Of that. Yeah,
0: that offense you run, I mean, it, it wears teams down. Okay. I mean, it's, it's old uh, school. Yeah, it's, but, uh, it's what we do. It's yeah. who we
2: are. Uh, we embrace it. Yeah. We love it. Uh, we're not ashamed of it. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just proud that the boys bought into it and, yeah. uh, and they executed perfectly. Yeah.
0: About that though, like, because it takes a lot of discipline to run that offense and, and to do it properly so, you know, it's executed it was, properly. Yeah.
2: The, the boys have been through so much. Uh, the execution of the offense is a credit to them and the way they can, we went through so much adversity earlier this year. We lost our quarterback, Ryan Castro, who was mm-hmm. through midseason probably going to be the MVP of the conference. No doubt about it. And then maybe even the district, maybe even that. I mean, he had an 82% completion ratio, five touchdowns rushing, six touchdowns rushing, almost like 400 yards rushing, having a great year, and we lost him. Uh, at that point, with a leader like that going down, it could have been very easy for these guys to crumble. But Ryan got his surgery. He's back on our sideline. He helps us call the plays, and the boys just picked up the slack. Georgie Sanchez, credit to him. He plays both ways, plays middle linebacker and quarterback for us, and he's done an outstanding job. We haven't lost the game. Behind them, yeah. So uh, it's a credit to the boys and who they are.
0: Yeah, you threw the one pass the and one made pass. it count. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the one pass and we that hit it. Thank God,
2: yeah. and uh, you know he's he's done a great job. I'm so proud of him.
0: Yeah, yeah. coaching an, an opportunity now the next few weeks too in the playoffs. So tell us a little bit about that. You know, going forward for this program.
2: So so we talked to them in January when we started waiting January 5th. We talked to them about we wanted to be playing into December, uh, and the only way we could do that is to work hard in January and the offseason. And they did it. So now, this is what we've been training for. So, God willing, we have a good performance in a couple of weeks. I don't know who we play, but it doesn't really matter to us. We just want to play football.
0: And there you have it, Archbishop Carroll, big turnaround. One of the, the turnarounds of this season, like just like Blanche Ealy and, and other teams that have done really well going from basically the, the pits to now being playoff teams and, and contenders. And, and on that note, this is where we wanted to jump. Jordan and I wanted to kind of jump in right away and give you a, a class-by-class sort of revised state title picks but also some analysis and kind of tell you where everybody's going to play this week. If you haven't seen it, we did a story about uh, yesterday. On, it's on miamiherald.com with all the pairings. The times and the sites have since come out for most of these games. They're still finalizing a few of them, but uh, let's jump into the region of death right away, Jordan. Let's not let's not beat around the bush here. And you know, Region Four Two M—that's the one right there where we have Central, Northwestern, Booker T, Norland, Gulliver—you name it—they're all in this thing. And and really, that you look at the the way that it all broke down, this first round matchups, these first round matchups here, you've got. Central as the top seed hosting St. Brendan, which looks like a bit of a mismatch. Obviously, St. Brendan. We'll Brendan. Brendan. <laughs> Congrats! Another turnaround team. The yes. sabers Give it. Let's give it up for them getting their first district title. But the monster, the monster is coming. There's in a few days, and you know we we know pretty much what's going to happen there. And uh, they're going to pair up. What's interesting is the four-five matchup. Northwestern ended up slipping into that in the last couple of weeks and stayed there. And now they're going to face a Gulliver team that kind of struggled toward the finish line. They, they, they didn't look that good against South Miami. They got blown out by that Cardinal Newman team. You mentioned now, they face the bulls, which could create the central Northwestern rematch, which I know the bulls are anxious to have, because they're going to have, you know, barring anything happening in the next week or so, they're going to have Teron Dickens, their quarterback back. And they feel confident that it's going to go different this time around. I don't know if, it, if it'll change the result, but I do think it'll be a much better game than a 42-7 to blowout. Um, and on the other end of the bracket, two two more teams that have really amped it up this season, and uh, Booker T and Norland potentially colliding. Booker T has the neighborhood rivalry game, well, not neighborhood, but the traditional rivalry game against Carroll City this week in the first round. Carroll City under Dorian James has done a good job to really get the Chiefs back to respectability. Uh, done a great job there. And Norland uh, in the first round, Taking on uh crap, and I lost my I lost my team. New Orleans to Jackson is taking on Jackson. I'm gonna forget the Generals because the Generals under John Harris that was one of the teams when we we're talking about bubbles bursting and, and and for some teams and teams kind of surging into the playoffs. Jackson wasn't in two weeks ago. They were on the outside looking in, and their finish to go seven and three vaulted them ahead of a couple of teams, especially with St. Brendan, because St. Brendan was like kind of like that. Someone had to jump them because they were locked in on that eighth seed. So credit to the generals for getting in the playoffs. Uh, Let We'll see what happens. But overall, when you look at this region, Jordan, I mean, that Central-Northwestern game still, still to me, I mean, not to discount Booker T. Booker T will still have a say in this, but that that's going to be key.
1: Yeah, oh, no doubt about it, especially, like you said, when Central and Northwestern played earlier this year, it was 42-7, but Northwestern was banged up. They, weren't, they were not without Ron Dickens. Running back was out too, correct? Am I correct on that?
0: Yes, Christ. they were missing yeah. uh, Jamari Ford Jamari and Ford, still yeah. are. I know he was suspended. and uh, Well, he was hurt first, and then he had he drew a a, a penalty, uh, got ejected from a game. So not sure of it his it, – I haven't seen him. I don't know if his status there. Adam Moore, though, I know their big wide receiver, was also hurt. And then he's been back – he came back at the same time that Dickens did. So that's been a huge boost. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, so basically, so with the Bulls at closer to full strength compared to the regular season matchup back in early October – feel like it should make it a lot more competitive. And also, you've seen that Central isn't necessarily completely invincible. We saw how close Columbus got to upsetting them a couple weeks after that Northwestern game. So there are ways to get to Central. Whether or not it can happen is still to be determined. I feel like it's going to take a perfect game from whoever Central faces throughout this playoff run to knock off the Rockets. But Northwestern, I think, will definitely be the very first the first team to have a very good crack at it. And then on the other end of the bracket, whoever w- moves on from Central Northwestern, assuming that's the matchup, again, the fate see who comes out from the bottom half of that bracket. See Booker T. They can make a run as they've done under Ice under Ice Harrison his first year back. To see New Orleans turn around. To see how all that plays out in the postseason, even if even if we know where their season's probably going to end, it's still great to see just how far these teams are able to go as they as they continue these breakout seasons.
0: Yeah, and we saw that game earlier, too, between uh, Booker T and Norland, if it ends up also happening in round two. And Booker T handled Norland pretty well. But it, in the first half, it was 27-2 yes. to two at one point in that game. And I still say if Norland had come out and run the football early in that game, it might have made a difference because the second half was a lot more even. And that's when Javin Simpkins was able to pace that offense and do a a better job of getting some traction there. I mean, that game could be great in terms of who comes out on top. To me, like, uh, Northwestern is still the biggest threat, to Central, because of Teron Dickens, because they can balance that running game with a good quarterback. If Norland can do something like that, if they were to get that far, maybe they have a shot at it. Booker T is the one that also, let's not forget, in the fourth quarter, that was a one-score game against Central, so they had a shot at it as well. The thing with them, though, is I know they can run the football. They are very good at it. Antoine Smith, Gerald Modest, all those guys, their defense is solid with Xavier Irvin back there and the big guys up front and Jamori Flagg and, and, and the rest, but they need to, they, they, their passing game has to be there, and that's one thing that I think in, in some games here and there, their passing game hasn't been clicking very well. They haven't relied on it too much, but I think in that type of a game, that's where they're going to need to do that. And, and whoever it is cannot turn the ball over. I mean, you have to have a a zero turnover game and your special teams have to also play really well to not give up a, a big kick return the way some have against the Rockets with Corey Washington, who's electric back there returning kicks. I mean, him or Lamar Seymour it's just so many weapons. I mean, I, I personally, I just don't looking ahead. I just don't see anyone but central coming out of the, not only coming out of this region, but probably winning the entire class. But it is going to be interesting to see if they do get the Bulls in round two. And then if they do get whoever it is, either the Vikings or Booker T in round three, those are going to be much better games. But let's uh, let's uh, skip one step here up to region three, which I think we pretty much know who are the two kings of this one. And really, Heritage would claim that they are the lone king because after the, the performance they had, although it wasn't a blowout, but they did dominate Gibbons pretty well in that first game, especially on the offensive side, made some plays. Can Gibbons turn it around the second time? It's gonna probably if they do, looking at the way the seeds broke, they would face each other in the regional final. This time the game would be at American Heritage instead of Gibbons, where it was last time. Gibbons' defense is great. We've seen them play extremely well. I mean, going all the way back to the DeMaffa game at the beginning. DeMaffa, since that game has been pretty phenomenal on offense, and Gibbons defense held them to six points. So we know on that side of the ball how good they are. On the offensive side, can Dylan Rizik and those guys, can they run the football and can they finish? Because they did actually get a lot of yards in that game, but something always kept going wrong in the red zone. They get down to the one yard line, throw a pick, have a penalty, get sacked, you name it. Brandon Innes with that big pick six we've shown a couple of times on the show before. I mean, can Gibbons actually get enough offense, I guess, is the, the question going into that.
1: Yeah, and I think the answer to that is sort of saying they weren't able to finish. That's also a big credit to what you're seeing over at American Heritage, where, again, we talk a lot about, about their guys, uh, about Mark Fletcher, about Brandon Innes, about what they're able to do. But, again, their defense, is, their defense is held pat most of the season. I mean, you look at, again, you look at what they did, the two points against Gibbons. Uh, they gave up only 18 against Western. They shut out Stranahan, gave up 17. Yeah, they've given up, I think it's, 37 points over their last five games of the season heading into the playoffs. You see how talented they are out there. And then their offense is able to do, do so much that it's basically the defense doesn't necessarily have to shut you out. They just have to do enough to limit the damage. And heritage is just, you look at two teams comparatively heritage looks leaps and bounds. I don't, I shouldn't say leaps and bounds, but they definitely look like the better team than Cardinal Gibbons. But I thought that back in 2019 when Gibbons ended up beating them without their starting quarterback who tore his ACL the week earlier and then rolled their way to their first state title. So we've seen Gibbons in this spot before where they're the underdog of the heritage and they're able to overcome everything and make the deep run. Can they do it again? I don't know. I don't think so. But I wouldn't put it against them finding a way when their back's against the wall to, to make a player two needed. With that said... I'm still going with heritage to take the region and with that potentially set up, because remember in the state set, once you get to the final four, everything that you Receives. get, seeded based off your state rankings. So yep. with that central would be one and heritage will be two, which means right. we could potentially get our Dade Broward matchup in the state championship.
0: Right. Which has never happened. There's never Correct. been a Dade Broward final after we looked that up. And, and I mean, we have the possibility of two of those potentially this year, if uh, which we'll get to in a minute when we get the 3M, the 3M conversation. But, yeah, those two top ten national teams by that point, uh, I believe, or, or, or if they already are, I'm, I'm not sure. Heritage, I think, is just on the cusp of the top I think ten. Heritage the was 12 last,
1: I think Heritage was 12 yeah. last I saw, but they may have been up to Yeah, then. and
0: they may move up. I mean, as, as the playoffs go a bit, I mean, we're talking five more weeks where they're going to get quality victories uh, along the way. But, yeah, whoever – I mean, I think if, if it comes down to it, Gibbons just – I think they need to run the football, too. you got to keep Heritage's offense off the field. you got to keep Mark Fletcher on the sideline as much as possible, innis all of them, and, and to, to even have a chance. But I'm with you. I, I, in the preseason, I think we both did, and, I, and I'm sticking to that central Heritage pick as the final with the Rockets potentially being the team that comes out on top. One quick note, we had mentioned the schedule in 2M. Uh, on Saturday will be the game between Northwestern and Gulliver as of right now from what we understand. As part of a doubleheader at Traz Powell, they will be playing at six o'clock at Traz Powell Stadium. Jackson Norland will play at three thirty on Friday in a, in a doubleheader with the Central St Brendan game following at seven thirty. All those games at the Mecca at Traz Powell. The early game on Saturday is in the region is in Region Four Three M, which we'll get to. Homestead playing North Miami. One of those uh, bracket scheduling quirks where North Miami is the host, even though they're the eighth seed. But we'll jump into that first. We wanted to jump in to Region 3-3M, which that's the big one there with the two teams we talked about earlier, with D- Dillard and Ely uh, vying for supremacy in the two three seeds, and, of course, St. Thomas Aquinas, the team that we have to start talking about a lot more mm-hmm. because they are still the odds-on favorite to win that class, and they're still top five in the country for a reason with the, just the their, their size up front on both sides, the skill players that they have, Ezekiel Harris with a great uh, season, at quarterback, Jordan Lyle, uh, Jamari Sands running the football. I don't know if anyone can stop the Aquinas train. I think they're uh, you know, I think there's a couple of contenders in there that could get that could make it interesting, but they just seem like they have too much depth as usual.
1: No, I agree, but the one thing I will say is I'm glad at least with the way the bracket is laid out that it doesn't look like it's going to necessarily be Aquinas steamrolling their entire way through. I mean, even their first game, I still think they're going to be a Creek, the eight C for that in round one, but I think Creek, at least with their defense, will be able to make it somewhat competitive in, in week one. And then if and then moving on from there, it's Atlantic the winner of of Delray, Atlantic, and Plantation. And then the other half of that bracket is the is the potential Dillard Daly winner in the semis. So you're they're gonna get three looking like three quality games throughout the region. And then obviously what happens when they get the state semis and in the state final assuming all goes the way that it looks like it would go on paper. But again, at least I'm excited to be able to see the competitive matches early on for Aquinas and not have to just be worrying about once they get the state, what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they're still way too deep and talented. Uh, You know, it will will still be kind of a lopsided game, but to Creek's credit, like you said, their defense is solid. They've shown it. I mean, they shut down Western in a loss earlier this year as it went to overtime ended up losing 10-3, and they've had a quality schedule. They've played Ely, They've played a bunch of teams that have prepared them for this. But, but yeah, I think Aquinas is too much. If you look at the region as a whole, the winner of the Aquinas game will then play, like you said, Plantation at Delray Atlantic. All those games are on Friday night. Ely hosting Palm Beach Gardens Dwyer at 730 as of right now. Dillard hosting Fort Lauderdale. Congratulations to the Flying Ls. They got in the playoffs. They've done – a good job getting back to respectability themselves. That's the Richard other thing.
1: done a great job the last four years or so since he's, he's been there to get this program back up.
0: Yeah, and they don't shy away either because they took on Aquinas and a bunch of teams this year that really prepared them for this. Um, in, in 2M, Heritage hosting Inlet Grove, Givens hosting Pinecrest, and Calvary Christian, another thing we didn't mention in there, uh, nine and one, nine, no, eight and two, I'm sorry, this season. They're hosting St. Andrews in that region. So congrats to the Eagles for getting in. But when you look at 3-3-M, I think Aquinas is still king. Now, 4-3-M, this is where it's interesting because Homestead, like we mentioned before, playing Saturday at 2 o'clock at Traz against North Miami, they actually have to go on the road because they did not win their district, but still looks like the, the strongest team out of this group. Although, team you saw, Jordan, a couple weeks ago, Miramar, comes in as the number two seed. And that defense, speaking of defense, I don't know if any defense is playing as well as Miramar's defense is these days. I mean, they're giving up I think they, they haven't even given up 20 points total in the last six or seven weeks. And at first we thought we we kind of called them out and said, look at the competition. But after what they did, the Western, I mean, I, I this seems like it's a legit chance for them to, to, to really make a push here. They're the two seed, followed by Southridge, who won that district against Homestead. They're the three seed. And I mean, th- those three right there, I think, especially but especially the Homestead-Miramar potential. Miramar-Southridge. If that happens in the second round, it would be an oh, interesting yeah. matchup too. But, tell, you know, you saw them up close. What do you think of the Patriots, what they've done?
1: Yeah, I mean, what Miramar has been able to do this year its incredible. I mean, they lost week two to 35-7 to Dillard. After that, gave up zero points to Flanagan, zero points to Coral Glades, zero to Pines Charter, seven to American, zero to Western, six to Everglades, seven to South Broward. 20 points total since that week two loss. Ran the table since then. Their offense is averaging – uh close to about 40 points a game at this point their quarterback uh kyle alexander he had a big game in the one game i saw against western uh 16 touchdowns four interceptions clean 60 percent of his passes uh nate henry the running back he was an absolute bruising back and he's trying to finish his senior season off strong and that defense like you mentioned they have two a couple guys with double digit tackles for losses uh they have one guy i'm trying to remembers The last thing was Rigby, uh, Trey Rigby, five interceptions on the year. They're a complete defense that's able to get you on the pass rush. They're able to get you in coverage. They know where they need to be. And even when they have their lapses in terms of what the coverage call is supposed to be, it still feels like they're athletic enough to make the play and make the plays when they're, trying, when they're trying to maneuver around some things. So Miramar, they've got some dark horse potential here. I mean, like you said, they their first game against Pines Charter. I'll be interested to see how the game against Southridge goes, assuming both of them make it to the semis. And whoever wins at Homestead versus Miramar or Southridge would be an incredible regional final to see.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I saw Homestead without Joshua Townsend, and I saw Homestead with Joshua Townsend. Two different teams, completely. Yeah. So to me, it hinges on him staying healthy, him being a factor. And and how far he can carry them on the team. I mean, we saw the six turnovers against Northwestern. How the, how that completely changed that game. They have playmakers. It's not just Joshua Townsend. I just think he's the catalyst that just
1: Agreed. takes
0: that team to a whole nother level. And they're going to need it because against that Miramar defense, like you said, they're going to have to they're going to have to have someone back there making plays and, and really finding the right matchups. You know, making the good decisions downfield against that secondary. And he's the guy that can do it. But uh, but yeah, I. I would give Miramar a chance to come out of this. I'm still thinking Homestead is the one that comes out on top and ends up either facing St. Thomas or maybe making it only to the state semifinals. But I, I wish – that that's the other one, the that, uh, that Dade Broward. I wish we could see I wish Homestead would get there and it would seed accordingly. I'm not sure if it would happen just because Homestead's not a district champion. I don't know how far back they'd be I from think other they teams.
1: I think for the reseeding, it stops. It's only through the regional finals that they do the – if you're not a district champion and you feel
0: Right, but yeah, I don't yeah. know if there's there's other teams in 3M gotcha. upstate in the other regions that maybe would push them down to be the four. Should they get okay. to the final four, yeah, you know. And then if that happens, then they're fl- they're facing St. Thomas in the semifinal in for, you know, at at their place instead of playing them at a Drive Pink Stadium. I, that, that's what I'm hoping for. It Be it'd be amazing if we had two Dade Broward matchups. Yeah, uh,
1: Homestead was ranked eighth overall in 3M heading into the yeah. playoffs. So so there you go. So a couple of great but also remember, three of those top teams above them are in the three M region. So you have Ely okay. and Ely and Dillers are both up, ahead right. of them as well. So, exactly. so someone get that means there are four. Out. There are only four other teams on the other two regional brackets that were higher than Homestead. So, so not impossible. One or right. one or not two impossible. breaks go their way, and they and they make the run. It could happen.
0: Yeah, it could happen. But um, another one that you know it looks like three, maybe four team race in this one is Region Four Four M. And that's where you have Columbus. That's where you have Western. That's where you have a resurgent Palmetto team that came on strong toward the end of the season. And, and let's not forget Durrell. They can run the football. You know, Mark Wilder, the leading rusher in the county, one of the leading rushers overall in the state. That could be a sleeper team that could do something. If you look at the whole region as a whole, um, the schedule came out. It'll be Miami High getting back in the playoffs after a few years and taking on Columbus at Columbus on Friday night at 7 o'clock. Somerset Academy, this is only their second playoff appearance ever. They're going to be the ones to head down to Doral. Uh, And then we talked about the Western Cypress Bay matchup. You know, overall, uh, Palmetto as well uh, facing uh, West Broward, Broward, which also West Broward, you know, has been able to to turn things around and get consistent and get into the postseason. But, I mean, like we said before, it looks like we kind of know who the semifinalists will be going into the season, barring any upsets here. It would create a vert It would create a Western, excuse me, against Doral in the second round, and of course the rematch between Columbus and Palmetto, which let's remind everybody, Palmetto was up 10-7 at the half in that game and hanging with Columbus. So I think both of those games will be interesting. Even now, if Western is a lot better than they've been throughout most of the season, if Doral can control things on the ground, that'll make th- these are two great matchups. I think once we get to next week.
1: Yeah, I agree. And when you look through all of them, you see the strengths and weaknesses for each team. I mean, Columbus, again, going into the season when, and I'll just go back to the reminder, I did pick Western to go to the state championship in our preseason predictions. That was mostly because I was uncertain with, for me, it was it was coming down the quarterback play for who was going to come out from this region. Didn't really know much about Alberto, uh, Alberto Mendoza. Didn't really know too much about Palmetto's QB situation. And I knew Durrell was going to be run heavy. So I went with the quarterback I knew with Colin Hurst and what he's done over three years. Mendoza, man, he's he really stepped it up this year for Columbus. He's leading that offense and helped them make a big, big push that I wasn't sure that I thought it could happen, but I didn't know if it would happen. Seeing that, seeing what he was able to do on top of Columbus's defense being as good as it's been and its run game being able to hold its own with the one-two punch back there. I feel like Columbus is still the favorite, which naturally is the one seed you would be the favorite. But if it gets to the point where we get a Columbus Western rematch for like we got last year, and Colin Hurst is playing the way he, the way that he has the last couple of weeks, that could set up a really good matchup. But I feel like you can make almost any permutation between the top four seeds, making the regional final. And and I could look back and go, Yeah, that makes sense. I could see it happening. But right now I feel like Columbus Western. Being getting to the regional finals probably going to be how it goes, and I'm going to have to flip my choice from the preseason. I'm going to say Columbus is probably going to move on.
0: Uh, well, I know they've been bugging you about that behind the scenes, A as Columbus A couple... fans tend to do. We love them and all of that, but yeah, I mean, look I, to, to back you up on this. I mean, I, I was there with you the first game, Western um, again. You know, in, the, in in the first half of that game when they lit up that team and and got 33 points right out of the shoot. And I, even, I think I even told you on the sideline, I'm like, I've never seen a Western team this good. I mean, and and we had our questions about everybody else. So I'm, I, the thing was, I think it was a couple of nights later when I saw Columbus and saw yeah. what what they had against that Benedictine College team that they that they faced uh, in the first game. And then I heard about the reputation of that team, saw the kids they had. It was no, you know, it was no puff team. Like that that was a, a legit opponent. And then seeing that, you know, and I I thought. It was still a little bit of a, of a of a leap thinking, okay, maybe on past experience, Columbus has been there before. That's why I'm going to pick them. But I, I felt like I val- my pick was validated seeing them in weeks later when they beat Tampa Jesuit, when they beat Northwestern. And then, of course, when they nearly pulled it off against Central, which was an incredible comeback in the second half. I mean, but again, not saying Western can't pull this off. I mean, it's going to be a great game if it does happen in the regional finals. But that's why we went with them. And I think still – they're definitely the hands-down favorite going in. And now let's see. Obviously, it has to come through when it counts in these, in these big high-pressure games that, that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. But uh, uh, before we get to our picks of the week, we wanted to give a few shout-outs here to some non-football teams. We're going to pro- start branching out more in the next few weeks uh, you know, as the winter season starts up and the fall season starts to wrap up. But, uh, you know, shout-out to a few teams that won either one-state championships or had memorable performances, the Belen cross-country team continued to dominate, won their sixth championship in a row. Uh, You know, another dominant performance up in Tallahassee at that meet. Uh, The Braddock cross-country girls team finished second. Congratulations to them, Coach Alex Shaw. And the swim team also had a great performance. The first time ever they were state runners-up as well this weekend. But uh, one team that I definitely want to take like a minute just to highlight is the Westminster Christian volleyball team on the girls' side. We had some good volleyball teams this year. Gulliver, St. Brendan, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. You know, they were all eliminated over the weekend but got pretty far. But this Westminster team, you know, I've covered a lot of volleyball in in my 20-plus years at the Herald. This team is pretty stacked. And the way, just the mix that Coach Julie, Don and the girls, they, they to, for anybody that's not following, they're one win away from a perfect season. And while in volleyball that may sound like it happens often, down here it doesn't. Not, not in Dade County. This would be only the second time since the sunset team, the great sunset teams of the late 80s, uh, uh, 1988, actually. Uh, Coach Irene Garriga's team went 38. No, oh, it hasn't been done since then. And they came. The, the Warriors came close a couple of years ago and lost in the final. This is the fourth straight year. It's, in, it's an interesting story because they're kind of like trying to avoid the being the Buffalo Bills of going four years in a row and losing in the final. But yet you have this stacked team that hasn't lost a set since September. And the last time they did was against a a team that's ranked further ahead of them in the national rankings. They're eighth in the country nationally by USA Today. It isn't just football that we have down here. That's why we call it title town, because here's a nationally ranked volleyball team. One went away. What a job uh, Coach Julie done. You've covered her teams in recent years. Jordan, what do you you think of just what the Warriors have been able to do?
1: Well, it's just it's. Uh, it's I want to say business as usual just because we're used to seeing them making the runs, but it's just, they found another gear this year. And with their, their entire team being, they returned a bunch of their starters from last year's, which, which helped with the chemistry and the camaraderie, which for volleyball, it's definitely key, especially with the setter, the hitter relationship. So the fact that they've not only run the table so far, they've only dropped, I think you said, what was it? Three sets total this year? Three sets total and,
0: and haven't lost one since September.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, That type of run is just, it's almost unheard of nowadays. And kudos to Julie Doan and what they've been able to do. A couple other teams that I want teams or individuals I want to also shout out and give some recognition to. Uh, Back on the cross country front, Ransom Everglades is David Sarah, finishes the runner up in class three or class 2A individually. He's a junior, ran a 1526 5K, but get this his first year running cross country. And he had the yeah. best finish, best time out of any runner from Dater Broward County at State's last weekend. Great job by him. And also Ashley Fitzgerald from American Heritage. Runner-up, state runner-up individually for the 2A girls race for the second straight year. Uh, missed, it, missed the state championship by about two seconds. Uh, she has one more year. And I know just from talking with her last year when she when she won a oh, runner of the year for us last year. She was admin before her high school career and She getting she's getting individual gold and yeah,
0: that, that one hurt when you told me on yeah. Saturday night. I, I that one hurt. I wa- I wanted it bad for her. I was there. I was there last year in Tallahassee covering that. But well, hopefully she gets it before she's done. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then uh, on the bowling front, bowling high school bowling state championships were last week. Uh, Palmetto's Evan Vien- Vienna. I hope I pronounced your your last name right, Evan. If not, yeah. I sincerely <laughs> apologize. Uh, he finished as the top individual in the qualifying round, which is the first four games to determine who makes it into the team finals and gets to compete for the championship. And in one of his th- four games in there, he bowled a perfect 300, which yep. as someone who has tried to bowl at many different times over my career and can barely crack a hundred on a good day to see, to see, a see a kid like Evan being able to get 300 on one of the biggest stages for him to date. Kudos to him for that, man.
0: And he had the tweet of the week as well, or his school did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I still remember the highest I ever had, 179, because I was so taken aback by it that I took a picture. I, I lost the picture since, but I was so happy. And then ever since, I've never got, been able to get that close. So, yeah, it's, it's it's not as easy as it may look to some people, trust me, especially in that venue of competition where you're you're actually trying to win a championship and all of that. So congrats congrats to having a good job done by Palmetto and, and them this season as well. Um, don't forget to vote. A lot of those names that we just threw out there are, are in our Players of the Week poll polls this year, both, this week for both Data and Broward. You know where to find them, MiamiHerald.com, under the high school page. Vote, vote. It's free. You can vote as many times as you want. So vote, people out there. Not, don't just vote this week for the important stuff. If you have a second vote for those, if you, if you care to see some of your favorite athletes uh, win Players of the Week. Let's jump real quick uh, into the, our, our last segment here. And that's our picks of the week. We'll do the, we'll do a little bit of a mini lightning round here. Creek and Aquinas, we talk, We mentioned it earlier. Can Creek, Creek has the defense, but can they even hang tough with Aquinas? What do you think? I think Creek is able to stay competitive
1: early, but Aquinas rolls away, Raiders.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I think just too much depth, like we mentioned before. Now let's talk about the game. Uh, that one's at 7 o'clock on, on Friday night at Aquinas. This one, like we said before, 6 o'clock, Travis Powell. Uh, on Saturday night, under the lights, there uh, Northwestern and Gulliver. I've seen Gulliver and I've seen Northwestern. No offense to Gulliver; they, they've had a they've had a good year. Those those seniors that are that are heading out, Lamont Green Jr. a beast this year. Wish them the best at FSU. But I think this is their swan song, and the Bulls have too much. What do you think?
1: I do too. I think a fully healthy Northwestern is going to be able to take advantage of Gulliver. I think it'll be a yeah. good game, but I think Northwestern's going to be able to pull it away.
0: Yeah, I believe so too. And that sets up the rematch with Central more than likely. Um the Carroll City Booker T game is always fun. And I but I saw I saw round one. And while it wasn't a total blowout, Carol City hung in there because Carroll City's defense is decent and they are going to get better. But this is Booker T's year to make a, a a deep run, I think, in the playoffs under Ice.
1: Yeah, no, I trust Ice with what he's gonna do, especially this round, and then to see and for me I want to see what happens next week when they go back up against Norland with that rematch. So I'm gonna go Booker yeah. T as well.
0: I'm with you on that. And here's one that we haven't talked about, Belen and Crop. And I know I covered Crop a few weeks ago, but Belen, they went 5-5, five and five, just like uh, they, they they actually finished the season a little, little bit of a of a sluggish finish. They lost a few games. They they played Gulliver tough, though. 17-7 was a the loss there and then turned around and beat LaSalle to break their losing skid right before the playoffs. Coach Don Chaney, it couldn't have started worse. They got blown out early in the season by Calvary Christian. Things were looking grim, so they've done a good job to win five out of eight and make the playoffs again. But they're actually the higher seed, but they're going to have to go on the road because Crop, after that win two weeks ago over MacArthur, ended up getting that district title after all with points after they beat Hialeah. And I don't know. I, I, there's something about this Lightning team. They're scrappy. They run the ball. You know, they, they, they make some mistakes here and there, but I kind of like the, the the tough attitude that Coach Tom Caporal has installed over there with the Lightning uh, we don't know yet where the game's going to be. It sounds like it's going to be on Thursday. Um, I would have thought at Ives' Estates, but they're, 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 it's being thrown around that it could end up being at Monsignor Pace or maybe at Betty Ferguson's, Ferguson Park. So stay tuned. We'll we'll have that at some point out there, whether, either on Twitter or on MiamiHerald.com or where it is. But I'm going to go with the Lightning. I, I, I like that Team of Destiny stuff, especially when they get hot late in the season. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at Team of Destiny, I was looking at – Basically, what I just saw with the beat I normally cover at the World Series, watching the Philadelphia Phillies make the run that yes. they did, but unfortunately, teams of destiny they come to an end. Points. I'm going to go with the Len mainly because yes, they go. had that they had that string of losses toward the end, but when you look at the teams they lost to, 17 to seven against Gulliver, 18 to seven against Homestead in the two two games before beating Lasalle 16 to nothing for them to be able to hold their own against those two quality teams. I think that. That to me, I feel like gives me enough confidence to be able to say that they can they can take on crop and again this should be a good game but I'll take Belen to to beat crop and also to give us at least one game of different where we're going to differ here, Andre.
0: That's what I was thinking too. I'm like, I'm glad we it's it's kind of dull and I mean some are obvious and you can't help it but yeah it's good when we kind of have two different. Next week's prediction
1: should be a lot more interesting and probably more decisive.
0: That's when the that's when the, so the Wolverines crowd can give me some crap, and then the Lightning uh, Lightning Twitter can get on your case a little bit. It's fun. There, we go. there you go. There go. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. I know we had a slam packed episode. We'll have another one next week as we dive into the one M's first round, and we look at what we hope is going to be some some pretty good uh, doozies of, of games with, with those rematches and others as the as we get deeper into the postseason. But once again. I'm Andre Fernandez. He's Jordan McPherson. Thank you for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next week.